do you ever uh, stub your toe so bad it feels like you could just call out of work? Like, here's the scenario. Your alarm goes off. You wake up. Groggy, of course. You've got 3 a.m. bedtime delirium hanging on your t-shirt. So you're not exactly seeing right. Maybe you're your eyesight's a little glassed over, you're basically still asleep, and you're not ready for that 7 a.m. wake-up call. Um, you wake up, though, and uh, shuffle your way out of bed, and um, through your doorway, except you clock that little baby toe, or, or maybe it's the big toe, so hard you're afraid to look down because you swear the nail is gone. There's got to be at least some blood. It's painful. Searing pain. You've never hit a body part on a doorway so hard before. So you look down. Your toe is red. You shed a small tear. And you feel the presence of a limp coming on and you think to yourself I can't make it into work today I've just done too much damage how's it going everybody welcome to another grand episode of your friend Gene this is episode 11 and we're here, and we're rocking and rolling. I'll fix my chair here. I feel like I can never get the right chair angle. Sometimes it's a little weird. Sometimes the mic is not um, exactly set up the best. But I've got my papers here. I've got my notes. And we are good to go. I look forward to this every week. It's 8.02 p.m., Monday night. You might be listening to this tonight, or maybe you're listening this tomorrow, or you're never listening because I'm not so sure many people are listening, but if you're out there, cheers. I'm drinking cacao tonight. The Oxican Spice Cacao. It is a, a blend of, um, of sorts. It has a cinnamon cardamom, cayenne flavors, mixtures, and it's good for um, the circulatory system and uh, uh, the heart. So um, I feel like that was a good one to drink tonight to sort of um, get all those systems in working smooth order. It's pretty good. Pretty good night. It's getting cold out there. It's getting real cold. Like, it just, from one weekend to the next, it just swapped. Like, like, <clears throat> a couple couple days ago, I feel like it was 90 degrees. Really hot, and then it's, it's freezing out there. Real cold. Today I broke out the, uh, the denim jacket with the fur on the inside. But it always, it's that weird time. We always say it, don't we? It's that weird time where 
uh, you go out and it's freezing in the morning and then it warms up and you're sweating by the afternoon. But uh, oddly enough, this these afternoons aren't really um, too hot. They're, they're staying pretty steady. Uh, but it's nice. It's, it's going a little quick. The fall's coming a little quick, but it's nice. Get out of summer, end it real good, real quick. And uh, move on to the next phase. So I wanted to um, to talk about uh, good, uh, storytelling. Whew. Good storytelling because uh, this is um, a writing-centered podcast. Or I guess let's call it a storytelling-centered podcast because um, I, I don't think it is so specific to writing even though that is my median medium, my medium of choice. Is words and writing and sentences and sto- written stories, but I guess um, this show is a storytelling of all sorts. I feel like when I come on here, um, I don't know if I'm just uh, talking quickly and I uh, I can't breathe while I'm talking. I don't know. It's a weird thing. I I get out of breath. I feel when I'm doing these shows, kind of like singing, where uh, you see the a singer belting it out and then they take big deep breaths in between uh in between words. I'm doing my best to try to mitigate the sound of heavy breathing. But I feel it. I definitely feel it. So how do how do you tell a good story? Uh well I'm no expert, that's for sure. Let's get that out of the way. I have not um <coughs> I've not classically, classically gone to school. I've not gone to school for English, um, but English kind of came very naturally to me. I find it a very uh, logical subject, common sense subject. At least for me, that's that's what it felt like um, during my school years. English literature, writing, it always kind of felt like as simple as walking like I oh like that's I know how to put a sentence together that's super easy I know how to tell stories and put that into words that's super easy Uh, but it's taken me quite some time to get um to kind of develop my own style which is something you don't realize you have to do or something you don't realize is happening until much later in your creative career it's sort of something that uh yeah, it definitely happens naturally, and I think that's with anything, not just writing. But uh, your own style happens naturally. And a lot of times, we all start with a bit of mimicry. We all start uh, mirroring our our mentors. Uh, not mentors, but our idols. Uh, other artists or writers or musicians that we look up to. Um, it's not a bad place to start. It's it's certainly pretty good to start uh, mimicking those you those uh, you look up to, the work you admire. I think it teaches. Uh, it's just kind of a good teacher. If you don't go to school for it, it's just a good teacher to to see something and copy it in a way that's not plagiarism, uh, but it's just kind of seeing how it works 
together. And then eventually, the longer you're doing it, the more you're doing it, you start doing your own thing and uh, you realize you're not copying anymore and maybe your work now looks nothing like the work that you did years ago when you were mimicking your idols. But it's the natural course of anything creative. It sounds like a big uh, big task. Sometimes I think about those things when I'm trying to think about um, creating something new, like, for instance, creating this podcast. It's um, it's going to take a little bit of time. I, I realize, you know, I'm only ep- 11 episodes in, and uh, it feels like I've been doing it a lot longer than I have, but I'm doing these once a week. So I've done 11 solo episodes, and I kind of don't know where it's going to go. Even though I think about some directions I'd like to take it or or uh, different segments I'd like to branch out into. But I'm not really, I, I don't really have a vision for how that would fall into place. And I'm kind of taking it as like rather than forcing it, I'm just going to keep taking my, my notes throughout the week. And I'm going to keep coming on here as best I can on, on Monday, Monday night. And just kind of talking about talking about the good stuff, talking about the good writing stuff. And I figure, you know, just like just like my stories from the past, I figure the more I do this, the more I stay consistent with it and show up every week, the more it will evolve into um, into something else. The more it will evolve into something that's more my something. Uh, what did I call it? The style? I'll find my style. I'll find my flow. Right now, you know, it just kind of is what it is. Maybe I'll figure out a better setup. I don't know. A better way of taking notes. That's the plan anyway. Just keep going until I can see where this evolves to. It's kind of an exciting idea to think about uh, how it's going to evolve. Uh, so... Back to the subject. How do you tell a good story? Well, you start with an idea. What's your idea? It could be anything. It could be something so simple. It could be character driven. Or it could be plot driven. I hear a lot of people kind of show a lot of disinterest in plot driven stories. I don't know what that's about. I find plot driven definitely is is a lot of fun to read i enjoy plot driven stories kind of uh kind of gives your mental mind a break they could be done very well if they're done well so you have your uh you have your idea you have your plot you have your characters and what do you do how do you set up a scene how do you make your characters talk to each other? How do they surprise you? What are they wearing? What do they sound like? What are their ideas? Or maybe you don't know anything about them and you're just observing them. And you're observing the plot like a journalist. 
It's all in the details. Really important details. I wouldn't say excessive use of details. That that could be too much. But very purposefully uh, placed details. Something that's going to uh, to move the story forward. Details are super important. I remember... Um, so, I, I don't really... When I write a story, I tend to not overly detail what's going on. In fact, a lot of times, I'll be honest, it's because I forget. Uh, but then I'll go back and sort of revise it and place in detail that I've forgotten about. And the thing is, I guess the way I like writing is very simple ideas and details sort of placed, again, with with purpose. Like, the whole story is not going to be detailed, but maybe certain parts of it. Like, maybe I'm not going to describe what a character is wearing, or what he sounds like, or uh, what town they live in. But maybe I'll really detail their road trip, or you know, the way they're driving. Or maybe I'll overly detail an interaction they have in a, in a coffee shop with the barista. So that's sort of, uh, I guess that's sort of the way I think about it. It's very simple ideas, and at pinpoint moments, that's when I put all the visuals in. Uh, I heard about adjectives. Adjectives. So let me just refresh my my uh, literary uh, mind about what exactly an adjective is defined as. A word or phrase naming an attribute related to a noun to modify or describe it. So some examples. Words like small, blue, sharp. I had uh, I had a teacher one time tell me that adjectives are lazy. I don't know if that's true. I think there is a place for adjectives, but I think if they are the only place you have use for them, um, I think they can be a little lazy. And I've even done this. I've I've looked at all the stuff that's kind of been been quickly written or just like, uh, yeah, this this. You know, the small car. And maybe I'll change it to something t to describe the car as small without actually saying small, if that makes sense. So, uh, I, I also had the same teacher who said, um, don't, uh, describe what feeling the person is feeling but describe their reactions to show what they're feeling. Like, for instance, don't say, uh, the girl was very depressed, but describe maybe how her morning went or some of her thoughts instead of saying what she actually is. And that kind of leaves the work open to interpretation and it 
gives room for discussion and maybe it actually changes the story even from your perspective maybe the girl is not actually depressed like you originally planned for maybe she's actually working really hard and you didn't see that before when you just called her depressed but uh, you had to write in her tired eyes and her you know I don't know whatever it is just be descriptive is my my ultimate point but don't be overly descriptive I know that's that's a very difficult thing to wrap your head around but the more you practice it here's the thing the more you practice being detailed and being descriptive the better you will be at seeing when it's not necessary or when it's too much or how to do it in a concise effective way replace with imagery do not say the road trip was very long describe a chain of the change in scenery describe the different type of people describe a change in accents and the readers will figure out that the road trip was long that's way more fun anyway than trying to get out of uh trying to get out of explaining a story in a fun in a fun way So I guess, like if, uh, you know, I'm saying something like, I'm very tired. I mean, I don't know if this is a good example, but you could say something like, uh, my vision was glassed over, my feet didn't work, my body kept surrendering, that sort of thing. You're, you're good at it. Just look at how you're, you're feeling. And I, I always think about it like that. So one example I'll take is, is being cold when outside. I try to feel what being cold actually feels like. It's cold, right? It gets up under your skin. It feels like, like ice is just running through your bones. Like your flesh is bare and it's just wind ice cold frigid wind so try to think about your your feelings when you're sitting wherever you're sitting or doing whatever you're doing like what does that sensation feel like and describe that what do your eyes feel like how is your face falling how are you sitting that sort of thing not to get too uh too wrapped up into it but it, um, it's something I sort of had to learn, you know, instead of, um, instead of just explaining the thing. And then eventually, as I have realized, you know, with um, having such a, uh, a long story, you, um, you develop shorter language, surprisingly. The more detailed you are, the quicker you are to get to your point. Um... Lately, I've been thinking about what motivates me to write. Like, what what do I need 
in order to help me write, in order to propel me to write. Um, atmosphere is probably one of the most important things. Um, not even getting into the right mood of, of it. It really is um, because, again, the mood is fleeting. Like, you can't always rely on yourself wanting to do something. Sometimes you have no desire at all. And you kind of just, if it's something you want to do, you just got to force yourself. Like, I'm still having a hard time writing, I'll be honest. Um, I know I've, I'm sorry, I'm dwelling on this fact, but it's the truth. I've, uh, I've been having a hard time sitting down to write for like a month now. Um, and it's pretty frustrating because I, I feel like I want to write. And, um... Then I get to it, and it's gone. The feeling is gone, and I feel empty and uh, purposeless. I feel like I'm lost at sea. So feelings are fleeting, and you can't always rely on them. Sometimes they trick you. Sometimes you're not ready to write. You don't have any feelings at all. And then you sit down and for whatever reason a force compels you to open the pages document and suddenly you're writing while listening to something, while listening to a song or a podcast. And you're like, what was that? I I had no I had planned to go look at this article and instead I opened up my my documents and started writing. Feelings are unreliable. Okay, that that much is sure. And I'm still coming to grips with that. That my feelings can be a saboteur. Is that the right word? Saboteur? Sabotage? It can sabotage me. The problem is, a lot of times, is the connection of the computer to the writing. Because uh, I'll turn on my computer, like, I'm ready to get cracking. I'm ready to write. I got my playlist. I just got to find the right song. Oh, I'm feeling anxious. Oh, this is a song with words, and I really like this song, so I want to keep listening to it. So while I listen to it and wait for it to be over, I'll open up some news articles. And, oh, what's on Gear Patrol? And, oh, Sprudge Magazine, do they have any new articles? And then the song is over, and it's like, all right, what do they got on YouTube? And it's a whole rabbit hole. I never wanted to get down. Um, so what is my final point? Well, atmosphere is super important, I think, over writing, or over feeling, rather. Um, I, well, maybe I, I would be more compelled to write if I was trapped in a, in a box. It might be a little, um, surrendering. But right now I have this really nice space, um, same desk, of course, really narrow desk, so I, I gotta move everything when I start the podcast. But I've got my computer here, I've got my notes, I've got my drink, um, and I have this really nice uh, wallpaper up that I sit across when I'm at my desk. It's like um, old vintage, uh, like stone 
wallpaper with a mosaic faux uh, ancient. I'm not describing this very well, but think like Moroccan, like, uh, like, uh, I don't know why I keep thinking of Colosseum, but Moroccan would be the right uh, term there. Stone wall with old torn up Moroccan wallpaper showing through like a cafe or something, uh, ancient sort of vibe, sort of, uh, you know, Moroccan vibe. It's a very good wallpaper. It's, uh, I like history. I like archaeology. I'm, I'm kind of, uh, at points, I can get a little crazy about it, a little obsessed. I love, like, uh, people metal detecting and digging up artifacts and coins. And I like, uh, not like abandoned semi-modern modern buildings, but I like when, you know, you come across a news article and it's like, oh, a structure from 10,000 BC uncovered in Rome or wherever. Like that stuff I dig. And then I just read this article not too long ago about, uh, not too long ago about Vikings and how they buried Vikings. And this one guy was buried with his sword on the one side. And that means he was like left-handed. And they have all these uh, technicalities and ways of figuring things out about people from a really long time ago. And that stuff really interests me. So, back on track. Uh, I've got that wallpaper think think old you know 750 AD Moroccan I don't know if that uh, uh, that year is accurate but think old okay 1066 Crusades old so that is uh, covering the wall where my desk sits and I have um, an old sort of wax style map with um, what they thought was the world thousands of years ago I have this uh, sepia toned sepia 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 toned picture up of an old building and I have some of my poetry taped up to the wall um, and uh, just got these vines these fake plastic vines um, because again uh, we live in a basement so the keeping of plants is not ideal there's no sunlight and um, it can stay really moist down here, um, so we have to run the dehumidifier all the time, and that sort of dries out everything. It it's really crazy. Um, I've never seen avocado dry out the way it dries out sometimes in our basement when we have the dehumidifier going on. But anyway, I digress. Because of that, we can't have real plants. We have like two. Well. We had to. Both of them died. I'll admit, I accidentally killed them. I feel really bad about it. We tried to put them outside in the beginning of the summer season, and they didn't take to the weather at all. They they just died immediately. I felt awful. Uh, maybe it was the the uh, the change in environment. Plus, they were fine in our little four by four square window that we have with an ounce of sunlight coming through at, you know, one hour of the day. So anyway, again, getting off topic here. But get, getting back to the point, 
uh, we just purchased these strings of, of fake plastic vines and we hung them up. We hung some up by the doorway and we hung some up by my desk. And they came came with these lights, these sort of really thin LED sort of lights. And we string the lights through the vines and they have different settings. So that re looks really uh, like it's something. Like it's this green, these green vines hanging down over my desk, lit up against this old Moroccan wallpaper. And I've got my old books, my old poetry books from the 1890s. And I've got my old leather journals. I've got a whole environment, a whole atmosphere built to help me be more creative to help inspire me to be more creative now I'll be honest it doesn't always work okay sometimes you can do too much and at the end of the day it really is just your willpower it, like it it your willpower overrides everything it overrides feeling it overrides atmosphere it overrides everything if you have the willpower like I said you know I could I could friggin' write in a box if I wanted to, if I had the willpower. But finding that willpower, that is the tricky part. And I think atmosphere can help with that. Um, I would love to eventually have my desk near a window space. Maybe not necessarily, necessarily looking out of a window, because that could be distracting. But something where I can hear the birds... You know, I can hear nature happening outside. That wasn't meant to sound like, um, like a bathroom so abruptly. That was, that was meant to be more, uh, smooth. But yeah, somewhere I can sit outside. And, uh, not, no, not sit outside. What am I saying? I'm looking at this image of nature. There's a creek and mountains and birds and, and green leaves. Have a window where I can hear that outside and feel like a nice breeze or, you know, see snow. Snow-covered trees. And that atmosphere will be, uh, will be something of a force. Nature is pretty important to me. The idea of nature being far away at the moment because of where we live, I think has somewhat of an effect on me, especially now with um, with the coronavirus and quarantine and parks being either shut down or uh, becoming overcrowded like within an hour of them opening that it's it's really hard to to get to these places um so i think maybe that had some sort of like effect that i don't realize on me and that might be what my hopeless mood feels are all about i've definitely heard uh this theme of 
kind of feeling lost across the board from a lot of creators, a lot of podcasters, the same theme of like, man, this quarantine really fucked us up, like mentally. I keep hearing people talk about it. Like, like they don't say, oh, this quarantine sucks, it fucked me up. But it's kind of more like, yeah, since this all went down, like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm going, what my purpose is, what do I even want to do? And I feel so lost. And that's, that's kind of what I was feeling. I'm still sort of feeling. It's a really strange thing because I, I end my day with sort of this like void. And I'm trying to figure out not how to fill it, but how to like come back to center again, how to come back home to when I would spend, you know, an hour or two writing, listening to music, drawing. Actually, I was drawing the other night because, well, two nights ago, I pl- I was planning on writing. I was like, I have to sit down and I just have to force myself. At, at this point, it's now about forcing myself. Maybe that's the wrong way to go about it. I don't know. I don't know if that's healthy. Who else? Does anybody else do that when you when you want to do something? Uh, and then you just force yourself. I don't know. Is that a good thing? Because I want to do it, but it's like, it's like lifting weights that I don't have the strength for. It's a weird kind of feeling. Anyway, um, this couple nights ago, I had sat down to finally, to finally force myself to write. And, uh, I put music on, I started a mix and it started with something that, uh, had words, people singing, and it was a really good song, so I didn't want to quit listening to it. Maybe that's also a bad idea, but I tried writing at first, and I was like, I can't do it right now. So then I found myself opening up to a new page, and I started drawing. I drew this, like, sort of abstract uh, diner scene, and that was a lot of fun. I did that for, like, a half an hour, and that kind of, that, that, filled the void a little bit that that almost made me feel like I was coming back to something and it was good it was good so atmosphere is definitely helpful I think these uh these new this new vine edition is pretty helpful um also I feel like where we live like, it's so loud. I think solitude, when you're a creative person, is also really important. Um, because if you're distracted all the time, then you can't expand on your own thoughts or your own feelings. Like, we live on a a residential street, but it's like a little city, almost. It's it's very crowded. Uh, you know, the the houses are pretty close together. And um, the neighbors right next door, they play the drums really loud at random times of the day. Sometimes early morning, sometimes middle of the day, Sunday through Saturday. It doesn't matter. And it's super random. Like, you can't rely on it. You can't say, okay, every Thursday at 7 o'clock, they play the drums. No, it's like you might not hear the drums for two months. And then, out of nowhere, for a week, they play them for like two hours straight every day and that 
that's really, uh, really disruptive. You know, nothing against drum playing, but, uh, you know, have a schedule at least. I mean, I don't have a schedule, so who am I to talk? But, uh, I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is I enjoy the quiet, the solitude. That helps me to get creative. And I, I think it's important. I think it's important to have a quiet space where you know you can go to and and trust that like no one's going to come barging in and disrupt whatever is going on in your head. Uh, no one's going to suddenly start playing loud music. And it's a tough thing to do. And I think that's why maybe a lot of creative people might work. They, they work either really good late at night or really good early in the morning, the two times when most people are either asleep or much more quiet. I mean, my my great idea for for living in solitude is to live in a cabin surrounded by trees. Have any has anybody ever played Red Dead Redemption? Uh, let me clarify: Red Dead Redemption Two, awesome game, awesome environment. I love the theme, like, um, you know, you're running down, whatever road you're running down, you come across pretty unique cabins sort of nestled in the woods. That's the cabin I'm talking about. That's the cabin I want to be in, in the epilogue, when, uh, geez, I'm blanking on his name, the guy and his wife and his son, Jack, Jack May, May, something, alright, it's gonna bug me. Uh, their cabin, anyway. Small. You know, I'm not saying it has to be a one room. Who is this guy? Red Dead Redemption. Who's in it? What's his name? Characters. Maybe I should have looked up characters. John Marston. Okay. Not Jack, but John. John Marston. Um, but also, uh, if you've not played, this was a side story, the writer got character who was in the epilogue part of Red Dead Redemption 2, and you sort of help him along. Um, he has a pretty cool cabin, kind of overlooking the cliffs, and he's an obsessive writer, and that's the sort of cabin I'm thinking about where I want to write. You know, again, with modern, modern amenities. Not completely crazy. I like inspirations of uh, New Mexico, the desert. Um, you know, skulls, like, uh, what are those, um, like antler skulls? Cow horns? Is that the thing they, they put up in, uh, pronghorns? I don't know, the skull with the horns, it looks like a cow skull that they that's a, used a decoration. Um, beige colors, brown colors, blankets with tassels, open windows. I'm inspired by Alaska, places with just pine trees, evergreen trees. Surrounding your place, surrounding your cabin, 
and the smell is so rich and so thick and the fog rolls up through the pine needles and it's quiet. Utah. Giant mountains. Colors of red, orange, purple painted across the sky. Just natural beauty. Caves. A vastness that you can't even comprehend. It doesn't make sense. And it's beautiful. And it's made by the earth. And that's inspiring. That inspires me to want to be closer to nature, be less out of the city, and be closer to nature. Have a, have a few less na- uh, neighbors around me. I don't need to be, you know, 25 miles from the nearest town uh, and my neighbor is 10 acres away or whatever it is, you know. I have 10 acres and they're, they have 30 acres and, and I can't even see them without binoculars. I don't need that. That, you know, that's pretty, that's pretty desolate. That could be a trip. That could be like a getaway. Like, hey, you know, I'm, I need to settle down or, or I need to hunker down and write and finish this book. So I'm going to take a two week hi, uh, not a hiatus, a two week getaway to this, this little cabin, you know, in the, in the in the mountains and finish my book a few neighbors a little community a little more tree blockage I want to look out my window and you know see nothing but trees right now if I look out any of my windows um, I see neighbors and it's a different neighbor in every window isn't that crazy a different neighbor every window I look out of. I guess it's not crazy if you live in a city, but there is no one window that I can look out of and just see trees. There's always somebody like, you know, 12 feet away looking at me from their bathroom window. Oh, man. I need some, I need some solitude. I need some space. I need to come out of my house and, like, smell a really green, dewy fall morning. And kind of hear nothing. Just the end of summer bugs. And it's, it's peaceful. That's what I need. That's what I would like. Anyway, that's my dream. Um, I sound like I'm running from my uh, my procrastinating writer problems. Because again, I guess the idea is that you can change everything that you want to change around you. But uh, it's not going to fix the problem if something is broken inside. So yeah, I could say like, oh, you know, if I was in a cabin in the woods with not many people around and and I could look outside and there's nature and trees and waterfalls and rocks and I would then be writing you know it's not to say that that would absolutely happen but atmosphere is super important creating creating a space is really important it's like creating a space is like creating a little part of you and 
when you see it, it brings you joy, happiness. You kind of have no choice but to go over there and, and do your thing. Do your creative thing. <sighs> so anyway, the ultimate goal in my life is to have a small little place. Small little desk next to a nice, nice little window with some big old evergreens outside. Pine needles littering the ground. That's it. That's not a lot to ask for. There's a lot to ask for here. Those uh, places are not easy to come across. I gotta say, I've done this little thing like where I've been looking at what's uh, houses that are available where I am. And they're kind of like, you know, pretty boring neighborhood houses, you know, on a regular residential street. And then I do this little thing where I'm like, all right, let's see. Let's see what's in Alaska. And boom, the first thing I see is a beautiful cabin on an island. <sighs> you know, I was going to say not saying I want to go to an island, but maybe I do. It's a little community uh, with an airplane hangar. And they're selling this cabin on an island. You know. It'd be cool. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying is it will be cool to live on an island in Alaska. Okay? Think about your dreams. Think about what gets you motivated to write or be creative. What do you need? Create that atmosphere because feelings can be a liar sometimes. And you gotta create a space and put your feelings in place and say, hey, you know what? I know you don't feel like writing like right now, but I created this beautiful space. So we're going to sit here in silence until you decide to write. That's what I tell myself. It doesn't always happen. I'm sort of waiting for the click right now, but I know, I know it's going to happen. So anyway... After that little uh, soiree, little doodad, thanks for listening to the podcast. This is uh, this is episode eleven. It's been a pretty uh, pretty deep deep episode. I didn't know I was going to be so descriptive, but uh, I guess that's the point to let my writer uh, writer flag fly. Anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to check out nativeminimalist.com um, where my husband and I roast and sell our own coffee beans. I was once a barista and I love coffee so much that I wanted to get back into the game and I learned how to roast and uh, we're selling small sample bags. So if you're interested, check it out. We got Sumatra up on deck. Delicious. Medium to dark roasted coffee. Um... And that's it. Check out my YouTube channel, Yeki, Y-E-K-I-E, where I uh, make videos about watches and occasionally other things of a creative sort. If uh, if you're interested about hearing from me more, check out that stuff. Uh, but anyway, if not, I'll be here next week, as always, 
with another podcast episode. Um, So that's it. That's it for this one. And I'll be seeing you.